Blog Talk Radio. Hello, that town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from Federal Baseball on the line out west where it's not ridiculously late or early. 2 a.m. edition of Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. Let's start at the end for a change. A uh, reporter asked Dusty Baker the other day who was going to be closing out when Jonathan Papelbon was out of the lineup uh, on the DL with that for at least 15 days. We'll see how long he takes to get back. But they asked about Sean Kelly, whether or not he had the makeup to be a closer, whether or not he might excel in a closer role. Dusty Baker said, I don't know. That's a very good question. It's just that you'd have thought if he had closer makeup or if he was going to be a closer, it would have been before he got to his fourth or fifth team, number one. And number two, we have to be really guarded because this guy, he had Tommy John in high school, and then they had another Tommy John after that. So we're very cautious of how he feels. Uh, talked the other day about possibly doing a closure by committee. That didn't work so well. First opportunity that they got yesterday in the, the series finale with the Chicago Cubs. They go to Sean Kelly tonight after Blake Trine in the seventh, Felipe Rivero in the eighth. They bring Felipe Rivero back out because they have a five-run lead, a four-run lead, eight to four at that point. Uh, Felipe kind of struggles there in the ninth inning, single by John Jay, a ground rule double by Will Myers that just missed going out of the park. So they turn to Sean Kelly at that point. He gets a fly to center out of Matt Kemp. That's a sack fly. He gets the Padres within three at eight to five, and he gets a ground out from Solarte to end the game. Afterwards, Dusty Baker said that he and Mike Maddox spoke to report uh, to Sean Kelly that he's going to be the closer for now as long as he's available. You predicted this, Dave Nichols. Are you going to take your victory lap now? And what do you think of the decision until Papelbon back at least going to go Kelly? You took so long to read all those quotes and stats that I took an entire <laughs> victory lap around my house and got back in time for it. Um, you know. Dusty Baker's uh, comment about, uh, you know, it, Kelly being on his fourth or fifth team and have, hasn't ascended to a closer role yet um, is a little disingenuous. I mean, a, a closer role is, is simply um, one born of um, uh, born of chance. It, it's born of, of uh, um, you know, a lack of anybody better to try. Um, Kelly has played on some very good teams with some very good closers, and he's a very good pitcher in his own right. I mean, this is a guy – in eight major league seasons, um, covering 317 appearances, he strikes out 10.4 per nine. He walks 3.0 per nine, and that number has gone down in the last several seasons. Um, he gives up very few home runs. Uh, he gives up fewer hits than innings pitched. I mean, this is a guy that's got elite closer skill. He's got a good fastball. He's got a tremendous slider. Uh, as a closer, you only need two pitches, and he's got the two right ones. Um, you know, the, the the fact of the matter is that this is a guy that they gave a three-year contract to as a, you know, theoretical middle reliever because they did have Jonathan Papelbon as the um, the incumbent closer. Um, you don't give three-run or three-run, three-year contracts to middle relievers. You give three-run, three-year contracts to guys that you expect to be closing ballgames for you. And I think that, that Mike Rizzo pointing to his head had every intention of Sean Kelly being this team's closer next year and the year after that with Felipe Rivero setting him up. Um, this year's troubles of Felipe Rivero being able to not get left-handers out 
um, and may maybe throwing somewhat of a uh, a curveball, if you will, into that. But Sean Kelly has closer skills. He just hasn't had the opportunity to do it yet. Um, that was the word that I was fumbling around for a couple of minutes ago, opportunity. Um, and he's got it now, and he's going to have the chance for the next month or so to show it. Um, and good for him. I mean, this is a guy that all he's needed is a chance, and now he's going to get it. You worried at all about the fact that he has had two Tommy John surgeries, uh, one in high school, one earlier in his career, uh, the demands of a closer role if you need him going out there. They, Dusty's talked about trying not to use anyone three days in a row, even Papelbon. So uh, you concerned at all about that possibility, him going all out there in uh, intense situations, high leverage situations. And he hasn't had any issues with the arm that I know of in a while now. But any concerns there? No, uh, frankly not. Um, you know, any pitcher is one pitch away from needing to have surgery, but um, there should be no worry about Kelly other than him being a pitcher. I mean, he had 53 appearances last year, 59 the year before, 57 the year before, 47 the year before that. I mean, this is a guy that has been a reliable um, short reliever for the last three seasons, um, putting up strikeout rates of 12, 11.7, 11.0, and 12.6 this season. I mean, this is a guy um, that – can get the job done. And, um, you know, as I said, there's a caveat between any pitcher being one pitch away from surgery, but he shouldn't have to worry about Kelly any more than anybody else. Tanner Roark on the mound at the start as we go from the end of the game to the start of the game. Seven scoreless versus the Phillies last time out. 3.75 ERA on the road versus his 2.25 ERA at home. 246, 318, 341 line against that uh, on the road versus 222, 302, 292 in DC. 2 0 with a 0.45 ERA in three career starts with the Padres, though. RBI singles by Matt Kemp and uh, I don't know, Justin Melvin, DJ Upton in the first, down 2 nothing early. The command was a little shaky there. Uh, first pitch fastball to Will Myers in the fifth, just absolutely destroyed. I haven't seen a ball hit that hard in a long time. I think it put a dent in the wall. It hit out there and left uh, 4-3 at that point. Upton single, uh, two stolen bases on Roark, and he scores on a sack fly. 5-4 to four Nationals in the sixth when Tana Roark is done for the day. Not particularly effective out there. Uh, not a bad night either, but not Tana Roark at his best, but he ends up getting the win. Yeah, you know, I, in the game recap, I called it workmanlike, and I, I think that's really what it was. Uh, um, he was not very good there in the first inning, kind of settled down a little bit, um, and then once the, the Nats got up, he was able to uh, get more into the, into a groove, but then uh, the Padres did pick up a couple more runs on him there in the fifth and the sixth. So um, not a great start. I mean, four runs in six innings, um, you know, doesn't even qualify as a, as a quote-unquote quality start in the um, you know, in the new math of baseball stats, but um, but Roark, you know, pitched with the lead. He kept his team in it, and uh, the Nets were able to put a couple put a couple of insurance runs across late and um, allow him to claim his sixth starter's victory of the season. Uh, which, if Doghouse was on the line, would certainly say uh, pitching wins don't don't need bupkis. But um, you know, he turned in a workmanlike start and kept kept the Nets in the game, allowed them to uh, to to win later on. This is my first look at Eric Johnson. I don't watch much AL ball, and he's been in there since uh, he started. 2011 White Sox second-round pick, uh, acquired in the James Shields trade a couple weeks back. A 7.71 ERA, 8.46 FIP, 4.41 walks per nine, 7.7 K per nine, 
333-403-750 line against him, 16 and a third in innings pitch before tonight. Uh, RBI sack fly by Stephen Drew in the second. Gets the Nats within one, a two to one at that point. A two run home run to left by Harper in the third, three two at that point. Uh, Ramos goes back to back with Harper, four to two. Anthony Rendon in the sixth, a 420 foot blast the left center. Really squared that one up and crushed it. Uh, I didn't get a good feel for Johnson on, on the night, honestly. It was just kind of looked like he was getting pounded for the most part when he went over the plate and three home runs surrendered. Not a good look for him. No, you know, Johnson was um, was a, a, a pretty widely respected prospect when he was coming up for the White Sox, but then um, the White Sox bounced him up and down a couple of years and he kind of stalled out. Uh, he's now at the point now where he's been – um, you know, it was, was traded for, for James Shields. So, obviously, the, the Padres are hoping that this guy's going to uh, turn out to be at least a serviceable starter for him. But he just he walks too many. He leaves the ball across the middle of the plate. Uh, he's a big, thick guy but doesn't throw exceptionally hard. Um, and, and we saw it today when, when he wasn't hitting his spots, he was leaving them up. And, um, you know, Harper – uh, went oppo boppo on that and, um, you know, would look like just a routine fly ball, just kept carrying uh, with no wind out there in the left field corner with that uh, ridiculous uh, brick building out there. Um, Ramos Ramos hit his ball very well, and like you said, Rendon pounded his. So, um, you know, Johnson, when he wasn't hitting his spots, was throwing batting practice. I mean, there were hard hit balls all night tonight. I mean, Stephen Drew had uh, probably hit a 440-foot foul ball. A um, couple of other guys hit line drives right at guys. I mean, Johnson wasn't fooling anybody. Um, just uh, um, some of them weren't falling in for the Nats tonight. You mentioned the home run by Harper. Uh, Johnson was pounding him low and away. Uh, left one up, though. Harper went out and got it, hit that one all the way the other way to left field, opposite field, two-run home run in the third. As uh, the first home run of June for Harper, first home run in 61 plate appearances, 14th on the year, but thus far in June, uh, before the night, 273, 365, 318 line, the power wasn't there, but uh, he showed that he still has it, obviously, his 14th home run of the year, and really just powered that one out, went out on the outside of the plate, up probably like at least letter high, if not shoulder high, and pushed that one all the way out the other way. Got to be a good time yeah, for yeah. Harper. Yeah, it was absolutely good. I mean, uh, um, you know, the last 11 games, Harper's uh, kind of picked it up a little bit, 317, 408, 439 over his last 11. So at least he's starting to make a little bit more contact. The power uh, hasn't returned completely, but it was certainly a good sign to see um, to see him get enough of that one and get it out over that uh, left field fence tonight. Blake's trying it on in the seventh inning. Uh, we've documented his struggles against lefties for a while now. I talked about that uh Gets in there with a two-run lead. Uh, issues a one-out walk, a single, and then a diving catch by Ben Revere. Kind of saves his bacon there. Gets a swinging K on a, just a brutal one-two slider outside to Melvin Upton Jr. Strike three. Uh, just a quick eight-pitch frame there. A lot of action for an eight-pitch frame, but nice to see him. You know, I, I can't remember the last time Blake trying to pitch. It seems like it's been a little while, and he seems to have grown a mustache in the time since I last saw him. Yeah, it was. Uh, it looked like it was an homage to his pitching coach because uh, he had a little soul patch there going on, sort of the Wired Earp look. But um, I, it was something that kind of surprised me as I was looking at, at the Twitters tonight. Um, Grant Paulson um, made mention that, that Trainin now has nine straight scoreless appearances. 
Um, I found that surprising since he puts two base runners on for every inning that he uh, that he pitches, and he did it again tonight with the walk and the single. And let's be completely honest: uh, if Rivera doesn't make that catch, this is a completely different ball game. It was probably a tie ball game yep. at that point, and who knows what the hell happened? So, uh, trying to scoreless inning, yeah, but um, let's take it for what it was worth. It was. Uh, um, white knuckle inducing the, the entire way, and, and will continue to be. Uh, he's just he, he's maddeningly frustrating. Um, that uh, um, with with his stuff is as good as anybody's on the team, and he just can't consistently throw strikes or throw where he wants to. He ne- he has neither command nor control, uh, which is which is a bad thing to a uh, bad combination. I should note he, he had a twenty pitch frame. It was Felipe Rivera with the eight pitch frame in the eighth. He comes on a leadoff walk. And a swinging K and a double play to get out of that inning real quickly. The Nats add two runs in there. Uh, RBI an error starts the inning off. RBI single by Bryce Harper, eight to four at that point. Uh, Felipe Rivero, his struggles against lefties uh, are just I, I don't know what, how to explain them. If it's just a small sample size, if he's struggling from overuse, but really odd the way he uh, struggled to retire lefties. Dusty Baker talked about that last week about needing to get him straightened out then especially with uh, Papelbon out for now and, you know, a different look in the bullpen. I think they're going to need him to come out real big. If, if it wasn't Kelly, I would kind of throw him in that closer role and see if the challenge of doing that kind of sparks him and gets him going a little bit. But decent outing by him tonight. He struggled a little bit when he went out there for another ring in the night. So. Yeah, yeah, struggled. And, and that's – it's just – it's not acceptable at, at this point. I mean, he's – you know, they, they, they can't coddle him. I mean, this is a guy that they – um, are just counting on to be able to be a late-inning reliever, and he's giving up a 308, 417, 462 clip against left-handers. And from that three-quarters arm slot, he should be destroying left-handed batters, and he just he keeps going away, away, away from him like, like he's afraid to pitch inside to them. And you can't survive at the major league level like that. I mean, he's still getting righties out at a 136, 186, 303 um, clips. I mean, that's... You know, that's all well and good, but he's got to be able to get left-handers out. And they, the Nats just have to, have to, have to fix him because they're going to depend on him um, in the late innings regardless of whether uh, Jonathan Papelbon is closing games or not. What do you think about Papelbon? We should probably just touch on that quick because I don't think I've talked to you about this since uh, he went on the DL, the intercostal strain. Uh, Dusty Baker said it's going to be at least 15 days. You never know how long it's going to take him to rehab after that and make sure that he's all good because uh, a rib cage issue like that for a pitcher just sounds like a horrible thing for me, just like a, a oblique for a hitter. It's really just involved in everything you're doing out there, basically. So your thoughts on Papelbon landing on the DL. First time in his career he's been on the DL, and apparently it took some controlling to get him on there. So they said he finally acknowledged that it would be the best for the team. Well, you know, terrific. Best for the team that he goes on the disabled list. I think I think people would probably would have said that even the day before he got hurt that it would have been best for him to go on the disabled list. Um, you know, you know my opinion on this on the on this situation. As far as I'm concerned, if Jonathan Pebblebond never pitches for the Nationals again, I wouldn't care less. Um, you know, he's he's a barely. Uh, functioning major league pitcher that has survived this season so far on luck rather than skill. Um, you know, for all the hand wringing and, and hair pulling and gnashing of teeth and beating of breasts, um, you know, a closer is somebody born of, of, of um, you know, of, of chance. It's, 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 he, you don't necessarily have to have a guy that's done it before. It's 
pitching one inning at the end of a ball game. And, um, you know, yes, he's going to be on the disabled list for, for the 15 days. Um, even if he's completely healthy at that point, they're going to have to send him out uh, for a rehab stint for a couple of appearances just to make sure that he doesn't tweak anything. So we're, we're looking at a 20 to 25 day period without him. Um, you know, maybe at that point, maybe they have just forgotten about him and Sean Kelly is uh, throwing lights out of the closer and um, maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't, but, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I never need I never see, need to see him pitch in a Nats uniform again. Before we wrap up here, uh, I still can't figure out exactly why they played a four o'clock game yesterday. When Jason Worth uh, even mentioned in his uh, post game interview after his walk off winner, there I'm guessing mostly it's because the Gala was Saturday night. They had an early game Saturday and a late game Sunday. I guess to give a lot of recovery time for everyone involved with that, but. They have that late game. Of course, it goes to extra innings when they have a flight to San Diego play, uh, plan. They have to fly out to San Diego overnight. You're on a different time schedule. I, I think we all experienced what it was like just watching a game tonight, nonetheless going out and playing it. But the Nationals do go out there. They beat a overmatched Padres team, honestly, 8-5, to 42-25 and 25 on the year. You're at least impressed with their ability to go out there on a night when Zimmerman and Murphy get a night off to Baker's still kind of pushing the right buttons and pulling the right levers and gets the Nats another win. Yeah, you know, as, as far as the schedule makers go, um, it's nice that they are playing San Diego before they go to L.A. to, to give the Nats a, um, a little bit of a bumper there and having to travel across the country to play a crappy Padres team instead of going right into the teeth against the Dodgers. You know, I'm sure that 4 o'clock game yesterday was because of traffic. They'd rather have a game getting out at 7.30 or 8 o'clock as opposed to 4.30 or 5 o'clock. Uh, dumping out into rush hour traffic. So I'm sure that's why it was a 4 o'clock game. Um, but, yeah, you know, resilient comes to Nats. Um, you know, nice that they could get uh, Zimmerman, who's just been atrocious in the past couple of weeks, um, and Murphy, who's not been atrocious, uh, off their feet for a night. I'm, I'm sure um, I'm sure Dusty will get worth a day off here in the next day or two um, as well with the long trip. Just to show how completely sleep-deprived I am, I'm clearly still thinking it's the weekend. I usually go down for the weekends in D.C. I think I wrote three stories today in which I mentioned it was Sunday, which would, of course, have been when they had the NAP Gala. So I'm going to go to sleep now. 42-25 and 25 on the year for the Nationals after the win in San Diego. It is Thursday. I'm going to keep on reminding myself, well, it's Friday now. So it's Friday. It's Friday now. Friday. Three more with the Padres coming up. I'm sure I'll be well-rested by the time we get on the air at 2 a.m. tomorrow night. So I'll talk to you then, sir. 42-25 and on the year. Nats Nightly sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. Everyone go to bed. See you tomorrow. Go get some sleep. Doghouse says go Nats.